one in on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know that idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a terrible Tuesday in more ways than one. But we will talk about last night's Vegas Golden Knights victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Game number one, the Golden Knights get the W. They're up one game to love in the series. We'll dive into that. Scott Spritzer will join us a little bit later this hour. Our handicapper extraordinaire. Not only talk about last night's VGK, the rest of the series, but the NBA as well, too. Chris Bazio joins today. We talk a little Major League Baseball and uh, a new rule coming out regarding pitchers and suspensions. So we'll get Baz's take on that. Plus a whole lot more coming your way. Terrible Tuesday thoughts, takes on this hot, hot day. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank in the house. What is going on, my man? Yeah, uh, saw a... Incredibly crazy crowd again last night at T-Mobile, and I have a feeling it's going to continue on that way. Uh, so, you know, that was interesting and exciting, and yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, I, We know it gets hot out here. I know it's the desert out here. It seems like a little bit too hot too early right now, So, but it could be worse, because I hear in Death Valley that uh, I believe it's tomorrow. It's going to be 126. And this is coming from a man who really likes to refrain from using his air conditioner. Isn't that correct? Well, I mean, I, I finally have to turn it on. Once it gets triple digits, I usually turn it on. I, I, <laughs> Once it gets to triple digits. Yeah, I, I have it set right now. It's about it's like about eighty seven, eighty eight at my place. You know, I don't want to I don't want to pay too too huge of a bill. It does make it kind of nasty for sleeping, though. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, a good buddy of mine was just telling me that his AC went out last night, and I said, "No, not not so good for you." But then I thought about you. I said, "Well." You know, your conditioning doesn't go out. You just refuse to turn it on. It's on right now. But like I say, it's not, you know, it's it's not, uh, it's probably not as high as a lot of people have. (laughs) You know, Nevada Energy is probably happy with where I have mine set. Yeah. Because they're asking people to keep it like 78 or above. Yeah. So what do you keep it at? I just told you, like 86, 87 around there. Yeah. Right. So do you actually sweat profusely in the house? Frequently, yeah. Close the curtains to keep it all dark so the sun. Oh, doesn't my, come my in. blinds are never open. Yeah, the, I mean, I don't, I don't really like. This, I don't really like the sunlight that that much anyhow. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's kind of a even in the winter, I don't really open the blinds See, that often. You, so. you need more sunshine in your life. More sunshine. That's what you need. Make you a happier person. Uh, I believe the song lyric said, "Sunshine, go away today." <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. There's another one. Bill do, you, do you know that that particular song yeah. has the most repetitive lyric in the history of any song that uh, made the top 20? Absolutely. When he know. says, I know, I know. You know how many I times? Know, I know. It's a great trivia question. It's like 27 or something Tw- like Correct, Amundo. Ring it up. There it is. Bill Withers at 27, yes. You, had, you, you didn't think I had a shot at that, did you? You're a, you're a kind of an old school musical connoisseur, too, so I, I had a little faith in you. I thought you were going to go 26, 27. There it is, yeah. Yeah, I used to use that trivia question a lot. I love that song. So I guess I did know. You did know. <laughs> or you took a wild guess. No, no, I've heard it before. So How's that? All right. Uh, terrible Tuesday. 
I don't know where to start with my terrible Tuesday. Uh, let's start with soccer. Want to start with soccer? You going to start with literally what happened on this Tuesday? <laughs> <sighs> I got a parlay story with, with, with soccer. Not in a gambling story. Well, not really gambling. But no, I was going to. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I really get excited about soccer uh, especially the World Cup and the European Cup, because I am a German soccer fan. Or UEFA, and, if some people call it. Yes, that as well, too. So Euro Cup 2020, which obviously it's not 2020. It's because they didn't, couldn't have it last year because of the yeah. pandemic. Kind of so like you, the 2020 Olympics will be this exa- year. Exactly, exactly. So I was very excited. I had my calendar marked, and I'm ready to watch Germany and France today. And uh, even from a wagering perspective, that... Um, I usually don't like to, to wager on, on these opening round matches because you really you got to do your homework. You got to know a little bit about the teams. You haven't seen them play yet. But more importantly, because with soccer betting, most soccer betting, uh, I like to wait until the knockout round because then you can bet the team to advance. Because, you know, they have the 90-minute line where if it's a draw, it's a draw. So they're three-way action. So you could bet France, you could bet Germany, or you could bet the draw. So you had plus money, like on Germany today, at plus 170. I thought, there's some good value there. But there's even better value with the draw at plus 200. And, again, I rarely do this, would, pl- would bet some money on both because you're, you're going to lose. But when you have plus money on both of those, substantial plus money, hey, worst-case scenario, you get the draw, you get the win. I mean, you're going to make money. You're going to lose one of your bets, but you're still going to profit. So I decided to do that today. Probably not the most wisest thing to do because if Germany loses, then I'm a double loser. Then you lose both. You know. Yes. So you know what happened. Yeah. So France didn't score a goal today, but I lost. Well, they didn't score a goal, but they <laughs> had a goal. They had a goal. You know how? Because Germany had an own goal. An own goal! Now, an own goal! In a Euro Cup match. Now, in soccer, when it's an own goal, is it like in hockey? Does it go to the closest German player? Do, do they get credit for the goal? Oh, no. It doesn't go to the German player. I mean, it would go to the France player. Well, that's what that's I mean. Right. The, the, yeah. the French player. But, so, so the closest French player that didn't even score the goal still gets credit for a goal. No. You were right the first time. So they, they, they It don't. goes to the German player. The German player gets credit. So if you go look it up, it, it, it'll say on there that... The, the the German guy scored the goal. It'll go own goal and have the German guy's name on it. Yeah. So he gets the only goal of the game and also loses the game. <laughs> Correct, Mundo. And he felt horrible. Now, what was and, the line on that happening? Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, when it is, you know, and it was Kimmich who in 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 Kimmich, it was an accident. I mean, the ball was in the box. Well, I hope it was, was an accident at was, least. And he was trying to clear it, and he cleared it off the top. Goes in the back of the net. Okay, so he was trying to kick like, it over the net, but he caught the, but he yeah. caught the and crossbar and, he was like, and it knocked it in. And he was in the box. He was like, you know, five feet away. Because so, I've seen it sometimes where a guy get an own goal where he's trying to yeah. place it back to the goalkeeper right. to set something up, and the goalkeeper yeah. isn't expecting it to come back so, and it'll go in. So I have so. the box score so just so you can see it. So that's, that's Kimmich, and that's the German flag next to his name. Now, if you just look at that, you think, hey, Germany won 1-0, right? No, what? France won 1-0. That's got to be a misprint, right? No. Own goal. <laughs> so did France name him their most valuable player of the game? Uh, they had to. <laughs> it, it was sad. So that was sad. All right. But uh, on a more serious note, I don't know if you saw this or not Saturday, but uh, it kicked off Euro 2020. And we uh, had a near 
uh, travesty uh, and a near death in the game between Finland and Denmark. Yes. And I was watching this as it happened live. Uh, Denmark and Finland, scariest scene ever. One of the scariest scenes ever that, I, that I've seen in sports. When Denver, uh, the Denmark midfielder, uh, Christian Eriksen, collapsed. And I was watching this, and, and then I rewound it, and there was never contact. You know, there wasn't, you know, contact with a Finnish player, not a, you know, head injury, nothing like that. And, again, this was relatively early in the match, and, and he just collapsed. It was during the first half. And he just went down and collapsed. And when he collapsed, they showed a close-up, and you could see his eyes were open. And the players were saying, hey, you know, medical attention, come over, come over. And with a lot of soccer stuff, they don't come out right away because they think, okay. Well, you know, they see so much diving exactly. and flopping and everything it, else it, out there. Exactly. And literally, it took over a minute and a half to get the paramedics on the field. And this happened on the far side of the field. So if you're, the camera side is where the benches are and where the paramedics are. And they were like really hesitant about getting over there. And then the players were finally saying, come over, come over, let, let, let's, let's go here. And uh, so all the players were around like kind of doing a shield. So you really couldn't see with the camera. But, you know, the camera's kind of got a little peek in while he was laying flat on his back. You see his eyes open. I'm going, this isn't good. And then you see them later, much later, like like four or five minutes later, pumping his heart. And then they brought in a defibrillator. Right. So when you see the defibrillator, that's when you think, wow, okay, this, this guy's probably gone. And you could see the... Danish play, the Denmark players, they're, they're, they're really concerned and everything. Then I guess they brought down Ericsson's wife, and then she was there, whatever. And here's the strangest thing about soccer. And there's a lot of strange things about soccer slash football. The coach was on the sideline the entire time. And it wasn't until probably about 10 minutes into this, the coach casually walked over to kind check on his player. over. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that as well, too, but I'm just... Looking at all this, and we never saw any replays. And of course, you know you're, you're basically relying on the other feed, the international feed, and the game is broadcast on ESPN. And so, really didn't get a chance to see it. Luckily, you know, I was watching, I was recording it, and so I got a chance to. Okay, how did this, you know, you know, happen? And uh, so finally, they 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 took him off. But then you saw this this big old white sheet. Not really laying over him, but around him. And you figure, okay, if he's good, that they'll either escort him off or whatever. So you had no idea. A lot of people thought that he was dead at that time. So they they stopped the match. and It was almost halftime. It was like, in, you know, this all happened in about the, the 25th minute. And then, of course, in soccer, the clock just keeps running. Right. And then, so, okay. And then they'll add extra time or whatever. Exactly. They need to. And so they never resumed the game. They said, okay, we're going to call a halt to it. And they said the game was suspended. And then apparently all this, uh, the fans were staying in the stadium. And then uh, probably about an hour later, they put up on, on the board that, uh, hey, they, he's taken to the hospital. He's awake. He's conscious. And then he sent a message basically to his teammates saying, uh, I'm okay. I think I, I have the, the quote here where, where he, w- he was talking as well, too, and just basically said, hey, I'm, uh, I went through some things. I, uh, I, I, I'm okay. Uh, you guys have my permission to go continue the match. Now, the, the Denmark team didn't want to continue. And then, but UEFA came out there and said, okay, we're, we're going to continue the match. 
and Finland ended up getting a goal, and they won one to nothing. And then people in Denmark were kind of not ready to go back and play this game. And as you know, every loss here, it, it's you know in pool play. I mean, it, it costs you. Yeah, it can knock you out of the tournament. Yeah, yeah it can. It can. So uh, word today that that Ericsson is is doing good. Uh, he's taking more and more tests. Don't know if he will ever be able to play soccer again, but just a very scary moment. Well, yeah, and, and there's other sidebars to that, too, because you mentioned when the game was being postponed and they didn't know exactly what was going to happen, from my understanding, I read a story where the entire crowd, both team sides, were chanting his name the entire yes. time. Yeah. Uh, the medics that came on the field said that he had passed away. That he literally was gone before they brought out the defibrillator. So there was a period of time there when he was laying on the field where he was legally dead. I mean, the heart had stopped, like you mentioned, the eyes were open, but, you know, eyes wide open, but he wasn't with us anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, they literally brought him back from the dead. And then uh, I believe that he also, I know he sent that one message that you said, but then I, I, I had also read that he sent some, he made different videos for some of his teammates in that because some of these closer to or something like that or whatever, because they were all freaking out and rightfully so. So yeah, it, I don't know about you, but when I saw the story and I didn't see it live, but I saw the, the, the stories about it and I saw some of the shots of the crowd and that kind of stuff. And it reminded me of things like Hank Gathers. It reminded me of things like uh, way back in the days when uh, when a uh, Detroit Lion football player passed away on the field and Dick Buckus mm-hmm. was standing over him like, hey, you, and he was calling for medics and that. And I mean, obviously, it doesn't happen very often, thank God, but it does happen. I mean, we had the race car driver out here at the Speedway that died on the track out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now, again, that wasn't a wreck or something like that, but when something like this happens and you're witnessing it, you know, we all go to to see the wreck or the physicality or something that happens. But when it really happens to this extent, all of a sudden you're sitting there like, oh, God, please don't have this be the case. Luckily they brought him back, but in reality they witnessed somebody die, mm-hmm. and they brought him back from it. Right. In- incredibly scary stuff, but, you know, although they took probably longer than they should have to get on the field, thank God that once they got there they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and it is remarkable that a man was dead in – they did revive him, and then to see him hours later basically smiling in a hospital room and saying, hey, you know, go, go ahead and continue the match. And then uh, he's speaking today saying, hey, he's going through some tests, uh, has, you know, has had some complications. But Christian Erickson is, is doing well, but a very scary uh, scene. And we've seen, you know, again, I, I've told the story before where I've, you know, you know, done a lot of boxing ring announcing, and I did three matches where a boxer died in the ring. And I've seen two yeah, boxing matches right, where boxers, right. boxers have yeah. died in the ring. And uh, so, and, and most of those were here in Las Vegas. We've seen near fatalities as well, or, or debilitating injuries. Uh, you know, you want to talk about going way back to those Dick Butkus days. I still remember Daryl Stingley. You know, when he was he was paralyzed for life. Jack Tatum. Yeah, there you go with the Raiders. And, uh, you know, so we can probably name on a, on a hand the, those type of instances. But, you know, being around and, and seeing deaths, uh, you know, and this luckily wasn't a death. But it was scary. Anytime it just, I don't know about you, but then when I'm, when I'm watching the other soccer games after this, I'm going like, this could happen any time. I mean, these guys are, you know, and we talk about. Well, and, and in any sport. You know, I mean, you you think, I mean, we always talk about how in the NBA it's the most physical, best well-conditioned athletes in the world. 
But there's certain things where sometimes something happens that you don't know, and and all of a sudden you again Hank gathers. Perfect. You know, yeah. you know the, the example there. I mean, and, and then Bo Kimball shooting the free throws left-handed and different things for him. But yeah, I mean, it, it, as great as they are, you 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 don't know when all of a sudden something happens and something in the body, an aneurysm. That's what happens in boxing a lot of times, yeah. like you mentioned, in different things. So you know, you. You just hope and pray that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. When you see all the the physicality on the football field or different sports and the boxing and the MMA and things that we like to watch in that, and then you see somebody just on the field that there's no contact or nothing whatsoever. We talk about no contact injuries in you know preseason games and that sort of stuff where somebody, oh, he tripped over the 50-yard line and he tore an Achilles or something. But here we're talking about a guy that was just standing there basically by his own and literally died and had to be brought yep. back to life. You never know. Yeah, yeah. Very sad, very sad. But uh, the good news is that Christian Erickson is on the road to recovery. All right, so good stuff there. All right, so, yeah, that's kind of a somber, terrible Tuesday start. Uh, we'll get on to some other terrible Tuesday stuff uh, later on. But uh, let's uh, do talk about what we saw last night with the Vegas Golden Knights. It was game one. At T-Mobile Arena at the Fortress, uh, it, it's semifinal. It's playoff hockey. Frank, I don't know for you, but you know for both of us, you know we were there every game for that that run in 2018, the the 2017-18 season, and when the Golden Knights didn't make it to the Cup. Uh, is this season kind of giving you that that flashback? Uh, to me, it's a certain degree, and we can we can dive into you know why or why not that sort of thing, but. As we continue to get closer to the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, the atmosphere is definitely getting closer to reminiscent of what we saw in that 2017-2018 season. Well, is it giving me a flashback? It's a yes and no thing, like you say, because yeah. there's different ramifications for it. Uh, it is because of the excitement, and it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it certainly looks like yeah, that first season it was weird because every round the fan base was convinced that Vegas was going to lose. Oh, they have to play LA the first round. Oh, they're done. Oh, San Jose, boy, they're a tough team. They're done. I mean, it's like, you know, the expectations weren't there that everybody thought they were overachieving, and they just kept on winning and winning and winning. This year, the expectations were there. People expected to win the Stanley Cup before this season started. Once they got by Colorado, they now they really expect them to win, and they're a huge favorite for the first time. They weren't necessarily that wasn't the case in year one. You know, they're not the Golden Misfits. This is a team that has they're up against the salary cap with Stone and Pacioretty and Petrangelo and other guys that have been brought in. Uh, you know, there's been the drama in the three ring circus of Mark Andre Fleury in that. Now that it's playoff time. There is no goalie controversy. Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy. So there are things. And I think the city's a little bit more hockey savvy as well. Back then, people were like, oh, I want the Stanley Cup so bad. I've been waiting. My, you haven't been waiting your whole life because you didn't watch <laughs> hockey before. Maybe if you came from a hockey city and you already had a different team, there was. so. But now I think that the fans realize that this really is a good team. And they're actually where they're supposed to be. Whereas the first year, they're like, are we really this good? Well, yeah, we must be because here we are. Now we're going to win everything. And like, like that first season, it was so weird to me because they thought they were going to lose every round until the finals. And then they won the first game. And like, oh, we're having a – people were already planning. Where's the parade route going to be? What day is it going to be? This and then. It's like, whoa, whoa, you're playing the Capitals with Els Ovechkin and Barry Trotz behind the bench. You might want to, you know, not put that down in ink yet or permanent marker or something. So while there are similarities, similarities there's a lot of differences as well. 
But yeah, I mean the excitement and everything else. But 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 I think the Vegas Golden Knights this time are where people expected them to be instead of the Disney movie that season one was. Yeah, in, in that realm, it's definitely there are higher expectations now, and you you feel that. I think you feel it in the crowd, you feel it in the media. But again, you know, now that it, it's playoff hockey, and then now you're in the semifinals, you're getting deeper. And like last night, you know, we saw the uh, you know the Canadians. You know, bringing their media crew, they're bringing television crews, and here we didn't even know if they're going to even be allowed to travel. And then we see the you know the, the Canadian version, then the French Canadian version, uh, and again, it, it it has that feel. And if it didn't hit you before in the opening rounds, now that's in the semifinals, even though they're calling this round three, uh, it, it it is giving me the you know those flashbacks to that year, especially the Stanley Cup. And if the Golden Knights do advance. To the Stanley Cup Finals, which we expect them to. Here we are with the expectations again. Then I think it will be full flashback. Well, and, and quite now, honestly, they should be there. Yes. They're, the, they're the they're the better yeah. team, right? Right. You know, Montreal was the last team qualified for the playoffs yeah. this year. Yeah, and, and was it twenty three points behind the twenty three points? I believe uh, that Maple they Leafs? would have been behind. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that that's what they would have been behind Vegas the, or Vegas, something. So correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean and they were still I, far again, behind the Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah, I mean they were way behind. I mean they got in because they, there's four teams from each division. Hmm. Now, to their credit, they've played well, and Carey Price has played well, and they found some ways to get some goal scoring. But the one thing we talked about going into yesterday's game, they hadn't tra- they hadn't trailed in a game in almost seven straight games, and they won all those games. The question we brought up, how are they going to do when they trail in a game? Well, we found out last night, not that good. When they have to open up their de- their offense, their defense suffers a little bit. Carey Price was actually good last night, although he gave up the goals that he did. They were wide open nets because when they're pressing to get goals, they don't help Carey Price out very much. <laughs> well, Montreal really hurt themselves last night, and they couldn't stay out of the box. I mean, oh, absolutely. At, at, at one point in time, there were three consecutive penalties within a 10-minute span, the last minute of the first period and the first nine minutes of the second period, where they they spent time in the box. And they were all legitimate penalties. I noticed a yes. couple people on Twitter yes. from Montreal media, oh, the NHL doesn't want the Habs in the Stanley Cup final. The NHL would love to see Montreal there. Mm-hmm. A Canadian team hasn't won the Cup since 93, and that was the Canadians way back then. They don't have anything. of When you throw the puck over the glass and it doesn't hit anything, it's a delay of game. When you trip somebody in front of the net and it's a clear trip, the penalties they called had to be called even in a playoff game. Even though the Golden Knights were 0 for 4 on those power play opportunities, the four penalties that Montreal you know, committed, the, the one goal, which I thought was kind of the backbreaker that made it 3-1, was uh, where... where they were just, you know, getting back on yeah, the it, ice. It wasn't a power play goal, but it but, was right after a power exactly. play. So they still had the, – the, the, the skaters out there from Montreal were tired. They had right. just killed off the penalty. They were hoping to try to get off the ice. So the power play was what set up the goal. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, it was a, a beautiful pass uh, as well. I think that was the goal um, – I, I believe that was the goal – that uh, yeah, that Shea Theodore assisted Alec Martinez on. So well, and he it, faked out the yeah, shot too. Yeah. Carey Price thought he was shooting in yeah. the crease, so and that he was the went one over that, for that. That's the one that actually, yeah, 
Yeah, and, and then Martinez was just what Martinez made is, it two nothing. Yeah, it, Martinez has really fallen in love with that spot down there on yeah. the dot there in the in the faceoff circle down low. He's had a couple goals here, almost got another one in that game last night in that spot. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, just a great pass by uh, Theodore, and then the three one goal, like you mentioned, that was the one where Alex Tuck took the shot. It kind of bounced off a Canadian player, right. and Yanmark was right in front of the net, and mm-hmm. he he got a stick on it, the stick right. and the post, and it went in the net. So yeah. So we talked about Montreal's strength, uh, you know, being in goal with Carey Price. You could say that, that he played well. I get that, but really, I mean, not so much. I mean, he looked like the second best goal tender on the ice last night. He made some Hunter huge Flory. saves. He did, but, but, but the great, Vegas probably could have scored six or seven goals. Probably oh, absolutely, last night. And, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. And that's yeah. why I'm saying he kept them in the game, but he didn't do nearly enough to win the game for right. them. Right. Right. Uh, where Marc-Andre Fleury was spectacular again. He was Marc-Andre Fleury. In, especially in that first period. When Montreal actually, I mean, it was, it was sloppy. You could tell that these two teams hadn't faced each other in over a year. And we, it's only the fourth time in their history they faced each right, other. They right. faced each other once yeah. a season before. But remember we talked yesterday, like, okay, this is, you know, how is this going to play out because these teams really don't know each other at all. And Montreal is a very young team to begin with. But then, again, when you... You don't have that familiarity with with the other team. You can see it, and it was choppy. It was sloppy and choppy a little bit, and it got physical. Let, I mean, both of yeah, these teams yeah. let it know yeah. that it's like, hey, yeah. we may not know you, but we still don't like yeah. you. Yeah, Montreal had fifty two hits. They yeah. hit the Knights uh, last night, but it was very very physical. And again, some of that physicality resulted into penalties for the Canadians, which would ultimately cost them. But how, how about the one hit where Carrier and Colasar behind the net just absolutely? I watched that, and I don't like the first thing I thought of was the Hanson brothers and slap shot. There you go. They just obliterated hmm. the player, and but it's but it, but it, they were clean hits. But no, they definitely got chipping. It will surprise me if Caulfield, who had the only goal for the Canadians, if he doesn't drop the gloves. Because remember, going into this series, he said, oh, Ryan Reeves is a tough guy. Fine, I'll, I'll fight him and I'll knock him out or whatever. So they kind of sent the first wolf whistles out there. At some point in this series, someone's going to drop the gloves somewhere. Yeah. They have to. So for the second game in a row, too, the Golden Knights had different goal scorers on every goal. Four different goal scorers last night, and you go back to game six against Colorado where they had six different. And three and, defensemen last and night. And that's what I was going to say, too. Three defensemen as well, too. So uh, that's pretty impressive. And, uh, and, and Theodore's goal was interesting, too, because Theodore's goal was he, he was smart enough. He let them set it up to get some action in front of Carey Price, which we always say, get nasty in front of the crease and make it hard. There was two Vegas Golden Ice players there and two Canadians as well. Carey Price is trying to, is he going right or left or whatever? He didn't know where the puck was. It wasn't the greatest shot in the world, but when you have traffic in front and then you also have to worry about it hitting a body or being tipped in or something, that's effective and that's how they got the lead. And again, Montreal, they showed it last night. We weren't sure. They're not a team built to come from behind. They're a team built to play with a lead, but coming from behind, maybe not so much. Yeah, Montreal came into this game last night, you know, sweeping the Winnipeg Jets and winning seven games in a row because they were down 3-1 to the Maple Leafs in their first-round series. And basically but didn't trail in any of those games. Didn't trail in any of those games, exactly. But uh, here, here we go the, with the Golden Knights, and a lot of people don't, don't realize this, I guess, but the Golden Knights have now won five straight in the postseason. Five straight playoffs games. Well, and, and what's yeah. more impressive, Since four was, of them against a team that was, some people said, the best team in hockey. Right. I was one that thought 
Colorado might be. Right. They did not appear that way. I think this series, though, it does give you the flashback to the Minnesota series because of the physical nature of this. It's gonna. I, I think it's going to be that type of play. I'm not sure the Canadians Well, I am sure. Canadians are not nearly as talented, I don't think, as the Wild team. I don't think they're as deep. But, no. And, and but, I think that's the problem with them. They have some good players here and there. They're also missing Petriot. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's a big part of them. He wasn't there. They said they hope they have him back. I'm sure they hope they have him back as early as tomorrow night. I don't think he's going to be there. But he is a big piece of that. They're not a team that can afford injuries to key guys and have them out of the lineup. Okay. All right. So the Golden Knights, uh, they get the victory last night. 4-1 the final. Uh, we will talk about this from a betting perspective with uh, Scott Spritzer, who is going to join us next. Game two coming your way tomorrow night back in the fortress. The Golden Knights, another big-time heavy favorite, and they'll try to take a 2 nothing lead tomorrow night. Remember, face-off at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Yeah. All right, looking forward to that. All right, when we come back, Scott Spritzer will join us. We'll talk VGK, NHL, NBA, and more right here. We'll give you the latest on the NBA playoffs uh, tonight and tomorrow, plus a injury update as well so hang tight glad to have you with us on this terrible tuesday hello i'm stephanie i'm from germany yippee yo schweinebacke when i'm in america i'm listening to tc martin show check this out Okay, Numbchuck, I see where you went there. Playing a little uh, Stephanie from Germany. That's what you're doing. You're really rubbing it in today. I don't like that. But he's trying to cheer you up at the same time. He's trying to turn your gloom into plume. He did. And he shows me a picture of Heidi Klum wearing her Germany jersey, the same jersey that I had on earlier today. Hers is cut a little lower. (laughs) Yeah. And... Now, I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking, like, okay, she's pretty hot. That's very attractive. And there's a picture, I guess, what you found that online. Or She actually tweeted that out to the German national team today and wished them luck. So I, I guess that's why they lost. I have no idea. But, probably why they couldn't keep their mind in the game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, the th- but the thing about it is, see, that's, that's, that's sacrilegious, what she did. She cut a national team jersey. She cut it. You don't cut a national team jersey. It's almost like cutting your flag. You don't do that. You, you, know, you don't let the flag hang on the ground. You don't rip your jersey. I mean, she, she's got a nice jersey there. Got some nice other things, too. I mean, underneath the jersey, which... Well, I mean, I will say I don't know that the jersey's ever looked better, but I agree with you. She probably... I mean, usually, like, they'll roll it up or they'll do that tie-it thing right, or whatever right. like that. It's acceptable. So, yeah, I mean, to, to cut it, that, that does seem a little bit wrong. It does. It but does. Uh, after seeing the picture, I'll forgive her. Yeah, see? See, you guys are... You guys are forgiving her. I don't know if I could do that. Anyway. Well, first off, she's never going to know if I do or don't forgive her, so it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a mute point. You know, unless I go on AGT and show why I shouldn't be on AGT like so many people do, she's never going to know who I am. <laughs> Bundesliga! All right, let's uh, talk to our good friend who a year ago was betting nothing but the Bundesliga, Scott Spritzer. What's going on, my man? You obviously misunderstood the memo. It was Heidi can do what she wants. You can't cut it short. <laughs> this so, is true. You know, but uh, no, I was happy with the outcome because it landed on the under. And I think that's 16 of the last 17 times that France and Germany have hooked up that it's gone under. And, you know, TC, yeah. it was one of those things where it was kind of like I thought not, both teams had 
they really had to play close to the vest. Neither one could, you know, wants to come out and, and grab that loss right out of the blocks. Obviously, Germany did, but I didn't think teams would be taking a lot of chances, those yeah. two teams, throughout the course of the game, and they have that history of going under. So that's what I did today. I, I would have liked to have seen uh, a flip of the score and see Germany win 1-0, but, uh, but we'll cash the ticket anyway. No, and uh, that's a great point, Scott. I mean, and I didn't even look at the under, but that's why I did play the draw because I thought, okay, there's tremendous value at the draw there at plus 200 when, you know, this thing probably had 1-1 written all over it, and it would have been nil-nil if it wasn't for an own goal. So the, those are the frustrating bad beats. I mean, that's we talk about bad beats – that that's a bad beat. So the, so they were playing it close to the vest while Heider was playing it close to the chest. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's Frank for you. There it is. I like it. Yeah, of course. We all we, we all like it. I appreciate you trying to bring a smile to my face. There you go. All right, Scott. How about last night? Uh, VGK coming in here as a well. I, I checked the line right before faceoff, and I saw 280 at a couple places. Saw 250, 255, 260 earlier in the day. It didn't matter. You lay it with the Golden Knights, no problem. But you talk about totals. Uh, this thing closed at minus 150 on under 5.5. So uh, that was, was nice to cash. However, very scary to cash as well, too, right? Because I believe four and a half minutes left. They pulled, they price, pulled right? the goalie. And it's it's at five. You're thinking the odds of an empty net goal or the six on five power play goal with four and a half minutes. You're you're probably thinking you're sitting pretty good. But Mark Andre Fleury was sensational once they tilted the ice, and he made sure that nope, the under's coming through here. Unbelievable. Not just that, but you're thinking empty netter. Right. That's a, that's exactly what yeah, I'm and, thinking. And that's what I said at first. I but, said you think either an empty netter or you oh, yeah. get a six on five power play goal, but we're, neither one of them we're, came to we're, fruition. Were the were the knights just not interested? And in I was on my way no, home. They had, that a point couple of, they had a couple attempts at it or whatever, but yeah. they they shot it wide. They yeah. didn't make that. They didn't get yeah, the goal. I think they had what they had like three or four. Yeah. You know, almost length of the ice shots that were a good about a foot or two and it was wide of the net. And it was interesting too, Scott, not to cut you off, but you could tell Marc Andre Fleury because he's always said that the one thing he wants to do is score a goal, and he said if we get up two or something like that, maybe I'll take a shot. He was looking for a chance to make a save and maybe throw it down there. He would love to do what Martin Brodeur did and uh, you know, get a empty net goal, get a goal right. in a playoff game. Right. He was looking. His head was on a swivel like, if I get a shot, I'm going for it right. here because we're up three. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a couple, what, at least one assist during the course of the season, but no goals. I know my brother uh, was really cheering for it because before the season, he bet that prop that Marc-Andre Fleury would score a goal this season. And so – you know, obviously that's fun money. He's putting pizza money on that kind of stuff, and you get you get great odds when it comes to that. But uh, had the chance last night. You know, there was a thirty-one thousand dollar bet on Montreal to win that game last night uh, at one of the properties here in town. So uh, I don't understand where that came from. You know, or why that bet would be made. Um, it was one of those situations where, when the game was going final against Colorado, uh, the final game, the first thing I did was look and see when the opening game of this series would be between Vegas and Montreal uh, because I wanted to play Montreal in the first period with Vegas starting slowly going into last night. They had only scored the first goal four out of, what, 13 games so far in the postseason. And what I saw, they had four days off to get over the Colorado victory instead of two, not playing on Saturday, but instead playing on Monday game one. I just decided not to bet the game at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, And I'm glad I held off because while Montreal... 
outplayed Vegas for the first 10 minutes of the game. Mark Andre Fleury was like, you know, get that stuff out of here. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fall for this crap. Get it out of here. And then you get the first period goal with less than 10 minutes to go by Vegas. And that was that. So, you know, the fact that they had the four days off in between games, I thought, all right, that's enough time for Vegas to get back on their, on their game coming off that big intense battle with Colorado. Uh, but again, you know, and I might come back. I haven't decided yet, guys. I might come back uh, on Wednesday and play Montreal first period. Uh, Vegas, again, sluggish, slow, just looking like they're hungover or something that first 10, 15 minutes of the game, and then they turn it on. As far as that under, besides what happened at the end of the game, you know, last night, I mean, that was all – if you break that down and take out some of the odd things that happen, that final score is like 5-2 to two Vegas. So if you were on the under and I wasn't on the game at all, thank your lucky stars because that had seven goals written all over it last night, if not for some really good saves by both goaltenders. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, uh, Scott Spritzer joins us. We're talking about last night's game, Vegas Golden Knights win 4-1 in game number two tomorrow where – the Knights are already a heavy favorite again. Uh, they'll probably drop the line. I think they have dropped a little bit. We're still looking at some 265s and 270s if you like the Golden Knights tomorrow, though. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a game that I, I, won't, I won't lay that kind of price with Vegas. You know, the, I think about it sometimes, guys, because, you know, to tell you, you know, to be candid, I, I don't have a problem laying 2 bucks, 250 in UFC, right? So if you don't have a problem with laying it, go ahead and lay it. If you think the line should be 3 bucks and it's 240 you've got value on that 240 favorite. That's what I always like to tell people. But instead, I, I just think that there's a, the best play to me is to either play Montreal first goal or play Montreal first period because that's when Vegas is, I, I, relatively speaking, at their worst. And you can right now, you can get Montreal around plus $1.85, to be up at the end of the first period. And, of course, if it's scoreless or if it's 1-1, you know, if it's tied, you get your money back on a push. So, you know, that's kind of the way I'm leaning right now. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but it would be first period Montreal and look to take advantage of two things. Montreal being a little bit healthier than they were going into game one. Being off that long layoff obviously doesn't help. And then Vegas, again, just play on their usual first 10 minutes, kind of a little sluggish as they have this postseason. So if – if you're going to get involved, I really think for your money, because Vegas full game is such a high number, that Montreal first period isn't a bad idea. When it comes to making a wager on the game, if you want to bet the Golden Knights but you don't want to lay that much lumber like you're talking, is it a situation where maybe you look at a puck line scenario or something because Marc-Andre Fleury is dialed in, he's playing so well, and like we mentioned, uh, Montreal showed last night they're not afraid to pull the goaltender with four and a half minutes left. Now, obviously, they're down quite a bit, but there is a pretty good chance of maybe getting an empty net goal or something in there as well. Do you look at a puck line, or is that something that you generally stay away from? No, I, I do puck lines. You know, it's not a bad price. It's minus a goal and a half plus a dollar five at a couple of the properties that I'm looking on my screen right now here in Vegas. So if I was going to play Vegas, that's the way I would go. I won't play the under uh, in this series because Montreal, and they did this in the previous rounds. When they're down, they will pull the goalie if they're down by a couple of goals uh, with five or so minutes to go. You know, their first playoff series, I remember – I had that game on on one TV. I had Vegas on another TV, and I think it was uh, the first round. And I remember one of the games where there was five minutes and 40 seconds to go. Montreal pulls their goalie. You know, we saw last night with over four minutes to go. So I, I won't get involved with the unders in this series, at least not yet, maybe game three. Uh, but again, last night we saw a situation where 
there could have easily been seven or eight goals scored in that game, not just because of the empty net at the end of the game. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I would do if I played Vegas. I would lay the goal line, excuse me, lay the puck line, and, and hope that they do it again, win 4-1, 5-2 in that neighborhood. Uh, but, again, if I do pull the trigger, it'll be first period Montreal. Right. If I lose, I lose. It's not going to be a huge bet. But uh, I think that's the best chance to take some of that value, I guess you could call it, and put it to use for you and have, give yourself a best chance to win. Uh, but, again, it, my best advice is this game might end up 2-1 to one tomorrow, but my, my thought is going to be I either look to play the over or I stay away from the game when it comes to that total. Sound advice from our guy, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Dot com. All right, Scott, let's go to NBA. Milwaukee wins two games at home. They did not look good in those two games in Brooklyn. The series now tied. we got game three tonight in Brooklyn. we got the news that James Harden is going to play tonight. Kyrie Irving looks like he is going to be out for not just this game, but could be out a while. So Kevin Durant is going to have a little bit of help, but a little scary to bet on this game, not knowing exactly what kind of... Uh, you know, James Harden, you're going to get. You know, not going to, sure, not exactly sure how healthy he is, how many minutes he can go, how effective he could be. It's funny here that we always talk about, hey, what do you, uh, you know, people bet their last thing that they, their eyes have seen. The, as I say, the Janet Jackson scenario. What have you done for me lately? But uh, you know, Milwaukee opened a road favorite here, where they were nothing close to being a road favorite in games one and two. So they're back to the scene where they haven't won. We know Milwaukee is not a great road team to begin with here. Uh, so this this. This game has got me in a quagmire. Yeah, you could have had four with, with the Nets as of about up until about 10.30 this morning Pacific time. It's now two and a half, and that's because of that announcement, as you said, with James Harden being upgraded uh, to questionable. And just a few minutes ago, I saw probable. And again, it's hard to quantify what that's going to mean with him on the floor because we don't know how healthy James Harden is going to be. I took the four late last night, and I was looking at Milwaukee, and I'm like, boy, you know, if you watch that team, they hit. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in the first two games. They got a little bit nasty on the defensive end in Game Three. They went eighty-six, eighty-three. But you know the Nets, even in Game Three, in a virtual must-win situation for Milwaukee, the Nets are basically you know two possessions away from going up three games to none. And then Milwaukee finally hit some shots in Game Four. But boy, I tell you, they did get busy on the attack end. They finished with a big advantage and fast break points in Game Four. But they live and they die. Uh, by that three-pointer a little bit too much for my blood. They are 36 of 135, or 26.7%, through the first four games of this series from the three-point line. And even shorthanded, even if James Harden can't play uh, too much tonight or can't be nearly as effective as he normally is or ends up sitting, uh, the Nets, again, were only two bucks away from that 3-0 series lead uh, in, game, in game three. So I think it's a situation with him being a little bit banged up that you're still going to see some adjustments made by the Nets that are going to cause the Bucks issues. And, you know, Irving, of course, sidelined, but they did get Jeff Green back last game. He was a little bit rusty. He still scored eight or nine points, had a couple of rebounds. I think he'll contribute more in this game tonight. Listen, Milwaukee's covered five of the last 20 on the road against teams playing 600 to 700 percentage basketball. And the reason I mentioned that parameter of 600 to 700, obviously, if you're 600 or better with your basketball record, that means you're a very good basketball team. But if you're over 700, that means the line's going to be a little bit out of whack. So that 600 to 700 percentage kind of keeps that team, that opponent, 
or level of opponent, uh, you know, close to what Milwaukee's doing. So when you look at teams they're supposed to be kind of even with, 5-15 and 15 against the spread on the road the last 20. Nets have covered 13 of the last 16 at home. And I just think the line value is on the Nets here. It, it, even at 2.5, I still think the line value is on the Nets. And if you get 70% from James Harden, then I think they, they win this game by a good five or six points. I, TC, I think you and I were texting the other night. It's just that three-point shot that has abandoned them, but yet they're taking – 135 three-pointers in four games. You know, they won't dial it down, and they're hitting less than 27%. Yep, yep totally agree. Sounds like if you're talking about value, there's some value there on the Nets tonight uh, back at home. You know, Scott, we've talked about it before, about in-game wagering during some of these games. With the propensity for teams to shoot threes like they are and throwing them up so much, do you sometimes find yourself ever watching a game, like maybe you're watching Milwaukee and they get off to a nice lead or something, and maybe you get a better number on the team that you think can come back and actually beat them and try to take advantage of a number on an in-game or something when one team maybe looks like they're playing well, but you figure at some point they're going to cool off like, like Milwaukee has and you can get a better price during the game than you can before the game? Yeah, you know, most posts, I mean, every postseason, basically, since in-game came into play, I've been an in-game better, but not this postseason. It's just been so wacky. Um, if you look at, like, the game last night, had the Clippers laid the five, and, you know, watching that game, and they're clear-cut 20 points better than Utah the entire game, and then with four or five, maybe a little bit more than that to go, seven or eight minutes to go, you know, the Clippers kind of go into a stall, and next thing you know, the Jazz are within 10, and they got the basketball. You know, and they go in for a dunk and it gets blocked. If they hit that dunk right there, there's momentum and it leads down to eight or nine points. And you got to sweat the final five minutes of the game, just laying five with a team that should have won by 20 or should have been up by 20. They end up winning and covering by 14. So it's just been weird. It's been so back and forth. And I'll tell you what, guys, I've never seen anything like this. It's a bit of an historic run in the NBA to see favorites covering like they are in the postseason. Uh, they are around 39 and 22 now against the spread just blindly playing the chalk. It's in that neighborhood. It's, it was 38 and 20 two nights ago. And then, uh, but now it's looking like 39, 21, 39 and 22 against the numbers. So when you're talking 64, 65% against the spread this deep into the postseason, the chalk, it, it's one of those things where I gotta, you know, I gotta tell you, I look to usually play the chalk this postseason, And if I don't like it, I pass the game. However, tonight was one of those rare instances when I just said, man, it looks like too much value on Brooklyn, and we took the four. But uh, to answer your question again, Frank, it's like, boy, every other postseason I have, this postseason, it's been so back and forth. It's like you know, watching one of those T.C. Martin wrestling cards uh, downtown in the 1990s when you know, the, uh, the heel is down and looking out, and then he comes back and he's on top and looking like he's going to win, right? So it's one of those things where I've just been staying away from the in-game betting. Good stuff, Scott. Good reference. I like that. All right. Uh, tomorrow night, we've got a, a pair of games at Atlanta and Philly. The series tied at two apiece. Atlanta comes up big last night in a game that a lot of people don't think that uh, Atlanta should have won. I mean, Philadelphia kind of choked this game away. And then we've got the Clippers in Utah. Here's a situation again where, you know, the Clippers, you know, just like they did uh, against Dallas, they fell behind. Now they, they came back, won their two games at home. Uh, a couple of series uh, that potentially have the makings to go six or seven games. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned having the Clippers last night, and I thought they finally kind of found that sweet elixir or whatever you want to call it as to how to beat the Utah Jazz. And the Clippers, you know, took a couple of games to figure out the Mavericks. But once they did, it was series over. 
They may not have completely figured out the Jazz as far as the series is concerned, and Quinn Snyder is a heck of a coach, as we all know. Uh, but I do believe the Jazz are in need of some major adjustments. And you know, Utah won those first two games at home, but they had to shoot lights out to do so. And the Clippers came close to winning one or both games, not even close to their 100% effort, or maybe not effort, but their A game. Once they arrived home, it was all about getting Kawhi Leonard to bust out in game three, which he did. And here's the number one thing, and you've heard me talk about this on the show in the past. When you have a superstar who's so far ahead and above everybody else on the team, talking about Donovan Mitchell, you can't be overly concerned about trying to hold that guy to under 30 points. Let him get his 35 to 40. And then, of course, you make sure nobody around him plays above their head. You don't want guys who are scoring 10 points a game to score 20, and Mitchell gets his 35 to 40. Let Mitchell get his 35 to 40. Make sure, make sure you know, guys like Ingles don't bust out and go 8 to 10 points above the norm. So we saw that last night, especially with the Clippers. Donovan Mitchell scores 37, goes way over his prop of 30.5 points last night. Nobody else on the Jazz were able to really do anything above their norm. Clippers really clamp down on those other players, and they go on and they win comfortably for the most part, except for a few minutes of the fourth quarter. So listen, uh, Utah's covered, what, two of the last 13 on the road against teams with a winning home record, two of the last 14 now after last night. They don't want to come back here down 3-2. to two. I get that whole perspective, but I think the Clippers have figured them out too much now at this point. All right, Scott Spreitzer joins us. Scott, we uh, in the middle of the press conference announced today, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Of course, that's going to be here in Vegas at, at uh, T-Mobile Arena on July the 24th. Uh, they're in the middle of their, fi- uh, their opening press conference, and they're having the stare down for photographers, but neither Fury or Wilder is willing to break the mode here. They're going 10-plus minutes on the stare down. So here's my question. Can we get a prop up? Should we have a prop up? What's going to last longer, this stare down today at the end of this press conference or the fight itself? <laughs> I'm going to say stare down. You know, this is – I just can't wait to see part three, you know, this whole thing. But if you're Fury, you go back to what you did in, in, in the fight, in the second fight, man. You just go for the kill early. And, you know, everybody said, at least in the, his opponent's corner, basically came out and said that, you know, he had his equilibrium rocked. And that was that. Well, rock him again. Try it again and, and see if that's the case. And, you know, I, I just don't think he can sit back this time and let Fury deal out that punishment. So I think you've got to go at it no matter which fighter you are in this third fight. Try to get it over with early. But uh, I can't wait. It was exciting. You know, I was backing Fury probably because of UTC. I think you might have been the one that said jump on Fury. And, uh, and, and if I'm giving you credit where it's not due, take it anyway, right? But, uh, listen, I think it's going to be a – relatively short fight because I think both guys are going to really have to go out and try to end it a little bit early. Yeah, no, uh, I, I did have Fury and talked about Fury that, that uh, night, and uh, I think it's going to be the exact same thing. I don't think anything you know, different uh, you know, could happen in this fight. But it is the heavyweight division, as we know. Anything can happen when you're dealing with the heavyweights. But the, uh, you know, when you get beat the way you got beat down uh, and you know, the way Deontay Wilder got beat down, it is uh, – it's a blow for your psyche uh, to come back. And when you basically say, hey, you're not going to fight this guy again, you have no desire to fight this guy again, and then you get lured back into it uh, by money and you keep changing your mind as a fighter and you've never lost before prior to that, yeah, it, it definitely messes with you. And uh, we know that Fury is a $3 favorite in this fight. 
Uh, and, right. there, and there'll probably be some wilder money that will come in, but you either got to play Fury or you stay away from the fight uh, altogether. And, I and, if you're, and if you're wilder, don't you have to, because that's in your mindset, hmm. I mean, you know, deep down this guy is like questioning whether he can hang with them, right? So don't you have to go for that early kill, so to speak? I mean, you really have to go in thinking, I can't go toe-to-toe to this guy for too long because he's going to get to me. I mean, if he's being honest with himself and he's flip-flopping on fighting like you mentioned he is, it's a situation where I think he's got to try to end it as early as possible. Yeah, and, and I don't know about you guys, and I understand the psychological warfare going on with the stare-down, but I never, ever, never plan to stare into another man's eyes for over 10 minutes straight. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, you and TC don't do that before the show? It's not a, you know, like a tradition? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how this thing ends. So the the camps have, first of all, the, the inspectors come over with the athletic commissioner, and they say, okay, you guys need to separate. And then, of course, is a co-promotion between – um, you know, Bob Arum and top rank, and of course, Al Heyman and company. And they finally brought, you know, everyone back together and said, okay, you take your guy and have him walk away. Because, you know, we've been seeing a lot of this, Scott, in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you've been following that as well, too, where the, these guys will be standing for the national anthem, and there are, are certain guys that do not want to be the last one to go in the dugout. And, I think we talked about it on Terrible Tuesday about three or four weeks ago when you know, uh, I think the Cardinals were involved, one team, and, and the Pirates. And these guys were like, hey, they had two guys you know, still standing at attention. Who could stand the longest? It's like this, this stupid contest. And the umpire finally just lost it. And you order you guys. He goes, "Hey, let's go play ball." And yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was first pitch is seven oh six, not seven thirty six. Yeah, and it was nuts. <laughs> right. And that's what ha- was happening with this thing. So they finally uh, got the guys. And Wilder, I guess he broke first, and they 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 escorted Wilder. And Fury's line was, "Go sit over there, you sausage." <laughs> now that, that was a pretty good. That, 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 was a, that was a pretty good English. Uh, you know, rendition there was. It was it? better than the I French like you were doing yesterday, for I know, sure. Right? <laughs> well, I don't know what I, I didn't even pick up on the uh, English accent there, the yeah, British but, accent, yeah. but uh, but I like the I like I'm going to use the the sausage line, no yeah. doubt about it. Okay, you know, Frank is our professional, <laughs> uh, you know, English. Uh, you know, guy from Monty Python. Go, go ahead and give us that line, Frank. Uh, go sit over there, you sausage, in your Monty Python best. In, in, in the Monty Python man voice, obviously. I'm, probably the woman voice is what's iconic. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to hear the, hey, go sit over there, you sausage. <laughs> Scott, is this tremendous <laughs> or not? And you're a Monty Python guy, you, right? Oh, man, the Holy Grail. Yeah. One of the greatest, you know, two hours ever. <laughs> but, but, no, you know what? I, I, I give Frank, I mean, the boy's got guts, what he just did. So, on air. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, uh, you wouldn't get that at the old Stardust line back in the day. There you go. All right, my man. We will let you go. We appreciate, uh, as always, good luck on your on your wagers tonight. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Take care, guys. Take care. Uh, I appreciate that, Scott Sprite, sir. All right, we come back. Chris Bosio is going to join us talking about the rosin, the mixture, and now suspensions in Major League Baseball.